grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. And welcome in the name of the Lord to this house of worship where we seek to praise and honor the living God. Let us be called together to worship as we read responsively from the Old Testament book of Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. You are all that I have, and therefore I will wait for you. It is good to wait in patience for the salvation of the Lord. Friends, let us worship God.
Please join me in our corporate prayer of confession. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed. Grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world, amen. Now let's take a moment of silence to bring our personal confessions to the Lord. Amen. We're saved by faith in Christ and are unable to earn God's grace, but the Lord tells us that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. As we greet each other this morning, children in fifth grade and younger may meet their leaders in the back of the sanctuary. Sixth grade and up are already in the youth room. So now let us greet each other with the sign of Christ's peace. It is a good and right thing that we do in the midst of our praise and worship of God to celebrate the life of God as it lives itself out through us in the rest of the week and the rest of our lives. So let me remind you of just a few opportunities that we have to participate in the larger life of this church. 
First of all, let's note that immediately following this service, we'll have a chat with Jack right here in the sanctuary. For those of you who are joining us on live stream right now, the live stream will simply continue. We will take a few minutes break in here so that those who need to leave can go on and the choir can go get out of their robes and come back into the sanctuary. Uh, and then we will start again with the chat with Jack. So for those of you who are here, wait just a few moments. Those of you online can uh, go grab some pancakes and bacon and a cup of coffee and then come back. How does that sound to everybody? Next week is our kickoff of our alternative Christmas market. That's our chance to hear from many of our mission partners and then through the rest of the Christmas season to be supporting the work of our mission partners as they work around the world on our behalf and in that way as well to honor those who are on our Christmas gift list. That kicks off next week. On Friday, the 1st of December, we will have our annual Blue Christmas Service of Remembrance, particularly for those who are grieving the loss of someone they have loved, perhaps recently, perhaps a long time ago. If you'd like to participate in that meaningful service, we would invite you to be sure to call in or write into the church office online uh, and let us know of your intent to be here. That's Friday morning, the 1st at 11 o'clock. The next day on December 2nd, we will have our monthly branch barbecue, our feeding program uh, for folks down in the Mission Bay area. Normally, that event is held the fourth Saturday of the month, but because that is Thanksgiving weekend, we are shifting it to the 2nd of December. And then again, we'll be down there on the 25th of December, which is Christmas this year, uh, to serve as well. Our annual Christmas Choir Concert, an event that many of us look forward to throughout the year, is on Sunday, December 10th. Uh, is that 4 in the afternoon or 7 in the evening? 7 in the evening. Okay, great. Put that on your calendar now. Do not accept any other invitations and plan to be here to celebrate that great music of the season. Just a couple of days ago, our session authorized uh, the reception of a special offering that you are invited to be part of over the next several weeks. That is going to be sent to our mission partners in the Middle East for their relief efforts because of everything that is going on there of which you are well aware. So we realize you're not prepared to participate today, but in the next few weeks you'll have that opportunity uh, to express in tangible ways uh, support and relief efforts for folks that are in the Middle East. Yesterday, I'm told, was Veterans Day, uh, which is a day that we always celebrate and remember here in the church. So what I'm going to do is to call out different branches of military service, and those of you who are veterans of that service, would you please stand and then remain standing, and at the end, we'll give you all a little love. Does that sound okay? Okay, so if you have served in the Merchant Marine or in the Coast Guard, would you please stand? And then we'll look around and see who that is. Anybody? There we go. Excellent. Rich, good man. Okay. Let's go now to the United States Army. Anybody that's got some Army history, would you stand? Wonderful. Let's go to the, either the United States Army Air Corps which will date you if you stand up with that name, <laughs> better known now as the United States Air Force, those of the United States Air Force. Excellent. And this is always a question in my mind, which one I go to next, because the other one will give me grief for not <laughs> leaving them last. So we'll toss it up in the air. Let's go to the United States Marine Corps. Those have served as United States Marines. Would you please stand?
And now, finally, to the United States Navy. To the United States Navy. Excellent. And then, one more. We've learned over the years that we have folks in this church who have served in other militaries of other nations. Is there anyone who served? We've got, we got a couple of Canadians and Scots back here. That's absolutely fantastic. Friends, we thank you for your service. And now our good friend Doug Clare has a word for us. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, is, uh, is everyone here familiar with the concept of the Las Vegas artist residency? You heard of that before? Residency is kind of defined as this, it, when you have a series of performances at a single venue, usually over weeks or months, in some places like Las Vegas, that can even stretch into years. If you think of Liberace and Elvis and Wayne Newton, you got the idea of, um, of an artist residency. More recently, Celine, you probably know who she is. She's done a couple of uh, those kind of residencies at Caesars Palace, and the most, most recent of those uh, ended a couple years ago, but it ran for nine years and it grossed over $300 million at the box office. At the beginning of this stewardship season, Pastor introduced me as I came up for this little segment of the service and mentioned that I've been part of this process um, and giving these little performances up here for a long time. In fact, um, <clears throat> my tenure with stewardship is about as long as Celine's last residency. I'm starting to think of myself of having a residency uh, performing here for stewardship and I have to tell you guys, this is the last performance of the season for me. So I need you guys to pay really close attention to what I have to say. Two weeks ago, um, the epistle portion of the text really caught my ear. I thought it was um, something that was um, very relevant to the stewardship message. It was from Romans chapter 10, and I'm gonna read a portion of it to you guys again now starting at verse 11. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? It seems to me that this text asked uh, really the fundamental question of stewardship. How are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? Whose job is that? Who's responsible for sending them? It turns out it's our job. We have to do it. There's that word again, we, we the church. It's me and it's you. If you're a regular here, um, you would have received this piece in the mail this last week. I'd like to ask you to give it your attention, give it some reflection. Maybe you already have, and if you have, that's great. We're gonna be uh, calling on you in a minute. 
Um, give it some reflection, give it some prayer, and then find your pen. Giving is great, and it is appreciated, but giving that comes in the form of a pledge allows this church to make, um, to make the proclamations that Paul contemplates in Romans with a very coherent plan. It lets us do it efficiency and with maximum effect. As I said, my residency for this year is coming to an end. I don't think Celine has too much to worry about. We're not about to beat her box office records anytime soon. But please lend me a hand and let's have a very strong close to this stewardship season. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Though I have to admit it's hard to think of Doug and Celine kind of in the same place. <clears throat> You know, and, and I get it. Celine raised over, made over 300 million bucks in nine years. And, and I'd have to say, let's just round things off, say about 3 million a year for 10 years. So we've only got 270 million to go this year. Um, but Juan, I'd be happy with half of that, okay? So um, as the ushers uh, come forward in just a moment to wait upon us as we present our tithes and offerings, we invite you as well to give your pledge cards. If you're not prepared to do that, then in the next few weeks we would encourage you to do that. In all of this, in our singing, in our praying, in our giving, we offer ourselves to God as well as the blessings God has given for His continued work in the world. God bless.
please be seated and join me in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we worship you as the creator of the universe, the source of all wisdom, our loving and just God. We thank you for your kindness and generosity to us. We are so unworthy, and yet you give us what we need and so much more. Help us, Lord, to live lives worthy of your blessings. We know we can't earn your grace, but we can strive to please you in our words and actions. During this time of strife around the world, we pray for blessings of protection over all of your people. You warned that there would be wars and rumors of wars, and not to be alarmed as such things must happen. It is hard for us to accept human nature and the evil that people do or are led to do by others. Lord, we pray for the nation of Israel, for the Hebrews, your chosen people, the people through whom you introduced yourself to the world, through whom you brought us the Ten Commandments and instructions how to live good and decent lives, the people through whom you brought us the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. Israel has been under attack through the millennia. Let us never forget. Even today we see the images and hear the stories of the recent raid and are horrified. Men, women, and children, how do humans learn to behave so evilly? Lord, we pray for an end to evil acts, yet we know human nature is not good. We pray for wisdom for the Israeli leaders as they defend their people, help them to do it in such a way as to minimize the harm or death to the innocent, to the children. We pray for the Palestinian people, for their lives and health, for freedom from despotic leaders, and that they might seek peace. Let the war not expand to other theaters, and let not America become involved. It is a complicated matter beyond our grasp. We pray for justice as you see it. We pray for peace in the Middle East, as well as in Ukraine. Turning to local matters, we pray for the membership of Village Church and the North San Diego County community we serve. May we be a beacon of goodness and grace. May others see us both individually and corporately as ambassadors of Christ, and may they, as a result, be drawn to you. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
please open your brand new pew Bibles to page 792 of the Old Testament for a reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6. Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendant above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my lip, touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Now turn to page 319 of the New Testament for a reading from the first letter of John, chapter 1. 1 John, chapter 1, beginning in the fifth verse. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us all from sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The word of the Lord. There is a meme that has been making its way around Facebook for the last several months that I have found to be particularly profound and insightful. Not all of them are on Facebook, of course. This one goes like this. It says, these are the three hardest things to say. I was wrong. I need help. And Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> How do you say that word? Who knows how to say that word? They're all pointing to you. 
Worcestershire. I went online earlier this morning, actually, uh, and found a guy who says he's from that town, and he pronounces it, and he says Worcestershire, or Worcestershire, exactly. Now, there may or may not have been a member of my extended family who would say that word, Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) How do you say it? How did you say it before you heard today? Well, that's not my primary concern. Although it has been a niggling issue for all of my life, my primary concern focuses back on those first two things that are so hard to say. I was wrong. I need help. We're in the midst of a sermon series that are walking us through the central elements of our worship together. We are learning that worship is a gift to all of us, a discipline for all of us, in which we learn about and practice the central disciplines of Christian life and the central transactions that occur, the dynamics of spiritual life, if you will, that allow us then to follow Jesus and to live out in the world as we are meant to live in the way that Jesus taught. This is all about nourishing our souls. This is about forming our spirits. Every act of worship that we engage once a week with each other is part of the story. And so today we come to what could be argued is one of the central acts of worship. That is the business of confessing our sin and then receiving the assurance of God's pardon and then receiving all that flows from that. Let's look at one of the most famous stories from one of the most famous Old Testament prophets from Isaiah. The story of Isaiah's call from God, the story of Isaiah's commissioning from God to be God's spokesperson. As we move into this story, we read a description of a spiritual encounter a description of Isaiah's experience as he is taken into the presence of God, which we understand is heaven. Now, don't think that Isaiah was transported somehow up into the sky somewhere. We're not told how this happened. We are only told by Isaiah that he found himself in the presence of of God, and it was an amazing experience. He says not that his mind was blown, not that he was simply amazed and awed, not that he was confused, but he says that he was worried. Think about that if you suddenly find yourself in the presence of God. Will you be blown away? Will you be confused? Will you be happy? Maybe you will think you've 
died and gone to heaven. Who knows? But, but let's look closely at how Isaiah responded. Isaiah's first response when he found himself in God's presence was to say, I'm a sinner. Literally, I'm a man of unclean lips. And not only am I a man of unclean lips, I'm from a whole people of unclean lips. Isn't that interesting? That's Isaiah's first response. I'm not so sure that I would do the same. I'd say, hey, God, great to see you. I have some questions about why you created cockroaches, something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Right? What would you say to God? What would you do with God? What Isaiah does is to understand instantly, immediately, profoundly that he has no business being there. That's his response. I'm a sinner. But that's not the end of the story. Thank God it's not the end of the story. God deals with Isaiah's profound and accurate understanding of who he is as a person who has no business being in the presence of perfect righteousness, perfect holiness. A seraph comes and takes one of the live coals that are in the fires that are burning, offering incense to God. He takes that coal and he touches Isaiah's lips. And he says, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. God does not let Isaiah's sin, Isaiah's mistakes, Isaiah's confusion, Isaiah's guilt, Isaiah's shame, Isaiah's understanding of how he messes up in life. God does not let any of those things stand in the way of the relationship that he and God will have or in the job that God has for Isaiah to do. This is an essential, non-negotiable, indispensable thing that must happen in our relationship with God and as it turns out in our relationships with each other. If we are to have relationship at all, the confession of sin and the assurance of forgiveness. We do that in every single worship service we have here in this church because you cannot escape it. You must go through it. Take the first letter of John. John well knows what Isaiah had experienced in heaven. John well knows what his faith has taught him. John well knows what his experience of Jesus was. And so he's writing some, what to us are short little letters to the early church, talking about some of the essential truths, the fundamental realities of who we are and the the nature of all things. John talks about how we have moved from falsehood to truth, from dark to light, from evil to good, from hate to love. 
John concludes by saying that as we love each other, we are loving God. And if we love God, we will love each other. But John knows. John knows that we have to go through our sinfulness, beyond our sinfulness, in order to move into the fullness of a relationship with God. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I don't know how... You could be more clear, more concise, more direct, more complete than in saying things the way John says them here. Let's start with those who deceive themselves, those who are self-deluded. Do you know anybody who's ever been delusional? You're wondering right now, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Right? What does it mean to be delusional? You're not in touch with reality. You're not in touch with reality. John says that those who say they have no sin are not in touch with reality. And yet there's a piece of every single one of us that is not in touch with that reality. One of the perverse pleasures that I have enjoyed over the centuries of being an ordained pastor now is the joy of meeting a person for the very first time, usually people who are not part of Christian life, and they find out who I am and what I do. Usually when a person meets me for the first time and understands that I'm a pastor of a Christian church, they will say something like, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. Or more than likely, what they will say is, Pastor, it's great to meet you. I'm a good person. <laughs> I haven't even had a chance to condemn them yet, and already they're telling me, I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm a good person. Why do we do that? We so badly want to believe that we're good people or at least that we're better than the guy next to us. And that's one of the ways that we get around this self-delusion is to say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than. That's the way it happened in the, the very first relationship between human beings. Eve, what have you done? The snake made me do it. Adam, what have you done? Eve made me do it. We are self-deluded, simple, plain, if we think that we are perfect, if we think that we are not sinful, that we make mistakes, that we're, never, that we're not complete and whole in everything that we do and everything that we think. John says people in the know know that they're wrong and need help. Here's the good news. There is help. There is forgiveness. Notice that we never have a confession of sin without an assurance of forgiveness. 
And then we talk about the renewal that comes, about moving forward. You see, some people are stuck, stuck in their guilt, in their shame. They cannot believe that God possibly can forgive them. But just like not believing that you're a sinner, not believing that you can be forgiven is also wrong. It's also false. Notice here John says that God forgives our sin and then cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God never means for us simply to sin happily and then ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness and then just to keep on sinning. Yes, we do keep on sinning. Don't get me wrong. We do continue to make mistakes. But the whole point of forgiveness is to renew our relationship with God so that we find in that love, in that relationship, the strength, the will, the information, the knowledge about how to begin to, in the ancient ways of saying it, to begin to amend our lives. We talk about making amends with each other, making an amendment to an imperfect motion, if you're a Robert's Rules kind of person. The point of confessing our sin and then receiving the actuality of God's forgiveness is to live a new and better way. That is a fundamental transaction, a fundamental experience of our relationship with God. Every day, every hour, every moment, and we rehearse that, we learn that, we lift that up and get it into our hearts and into our minds again in our worship. Now, I had a perfect conversation about this last weekend. Now, I don't know if I have ever read to you from any of my emails, but I want to read to you the text of an email conversation that I had last Friday and Saturday with a parishioner. Here's what I got from the parishioner. Because of daylight savings time, you get to preach an extra hour on Sunday. <laughs> now, that was last Sunday, so you're safe, okay? My response to him went like this. Wonderful. I can talk more about a couple of your sins that I was going to have to leave off the list. <laughs> and he wrote back, a short list to be sure. And I wrote back, short, yes, but the few that are there are whoppers. <laughs> then he wrote back, confession is good for the soul. Whopper confessions are even better. And then I said, I like my whoppers with lettuce, tomato, cheese, ketchup, mustard, <laughs> onion, and side of onion rings with a Coke. And then he wrote back, hold the onions. I like the malt whoppers also. Now, that was Friday and Saturday. Sunday, I don't know if you noticed it, but I had a laugh as I walked up to my chair here. This was sitting on my chair. Whoppers, the original malted milk balls. Yes, I am receiving no financial remuneration for this product placement in this sermon today. That's 
how God deals with our sin, even our whoppers. Here's what happens. Pay close attention. Not to admit sin is sin. That's the default human way to say, I didn't do it, not me, he's worse than I am. Not to admit sin is sin. Only to admit sin is sin. To say, I am beyond even God's ability to be forgiven and loved. To stay stuck in an endless cycle of guilt and shame is also sin. And so to admit sin and then to be assured of forgiveness, that is righteousness. To be confident in the forgiveness that you are already given by God, that is righteousness. Christian folks can be very candid about our sin. We can be very honest about our sin because even though it's horrible, still we know that God is stronger still and God can forgive sin and then we can move beyond it. We're here not to, just to get our weekly dose of forgiveness so that we can go out and be horrible again. We're here to say to God, God, in that place that was filled with our sin, fill us up with your love. Fill us up with your mercy. Fill us up with your justice. Fill us up with your truth. In that way, we will have a relationship with you. And in that way, we can have a relationship with others. Another thing I've learned over life is that every single one of you will disappoint me. You will sin. And if you haven't learned this yet about me, just ask the expert, Mrs. Baca, who's sitting over there. I will ultimately disappoint you. You see, in this confession and assurance and an amendment of life that the Lord offers to us, we have not only an understanding of the way we have a relationship with God, but the only way that we can have relationships with each other. Without confession and forgiveness and the amendment of life, we are doomed to delusion, to guilt, to hatred, to fear, to destruction, to violence, to the end of relationships with each other. Rather than the possibility of renewal, the possibility of love, the possibility of justice and peace. Therefore, we worship and we confess and we are assured once again of forgiveness. And so we walk out of here to try again in this business of life. Amen. Please stand with me and join me 
as we affirm our faith in the Lord with these words from the letter to the Romans. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life.
Please remember that in a few moments we will begin with the chat with Jack after we've heard the choral benediction and had a chance to re-gear those of you online. Please stay online if you would like to to participate in the chat. As I was going into the, set, the uh, first service this morning, it occurred to me that, you know, last week, Juan, we gave out these wonderful little braided keychains as part of our stewardship program. You know, we're braided together as Read the Church, and, and we still have those out there at the table if you'd like to have one. But, but I think I missed an opportunity, and I must apologize to you for that. Uh, what we should have done today uh, was give out boxes of Whoppers. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Regardless, bring your whoppers to God. And He's got bigger whoppers than you do that are full of grace and love, mercy and forgiveness, truth and righteousness and justice. Let God fill you up with those things so that you can live His way in the world. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit bless and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen.